Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is December 2nd, and our reading comes from 1 John chapter 2. Beginning in verse 18, John says this, Dear children, the last hour is here. And of course, he means the last hour before Christ returns and the Antichrist rises in world prominence. So he says, You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many Antichrists have already appeared. So, what does he mean? Well, in verse 21, he defines for us what is an Antichrist spirit. Watch what he says. Beginning in verse 21, he says, I'm writing you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an Antichrist. So anyone who denies God, anyone who denies Jesus is the Son of God, anyone who denies Jesus is the the Savior of the world, the Messiah. That is an antichrist, antichrist against Christ spirit. And so John says, man, there are many people who have an antichrist spirit who are against Christ. But ultimately out in the future, the antichrist will rise to world prominence Remember, he'll strike a a peace agreement between Israel and the Muslim nations. And then about halfway through the tribulation period, he will declare that he is God. So that person could be alive today. But that person will rise in, in world prominence. You will know who that person is. Now, hopefully, the church has been raptured out of the world and we miss all of that. But if we're on the earth, and a world political leader creates this peace agreement and the tribulation's happening, and then they declare that they're God, you'll know that is the Antichrist. Now watch what he says next. Verse 19, these people left our churches, but they were never really, they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they wouldn't have left. They would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. You know, one of the challenging things in church world is often people will be in church for a season and then they drift out and often you never see them again. And let me just encourage you. One of the real benefits of being in the body of Christ long term is that it produces the most growth in our hearts. In American culture, we have become so consumer-oriented, right? Even in the church. So often as Christians, we come to the church and we're asking the question, what have you done for me lately? And the truth is, because of all that Jesus has already done for us, we should come to the church, to the body of Christ, saying, what can I do to serve his body, his family, right? And sometimes because of this consumer mentality, it's just easy for an American Christian to get easily offended because something in church didn't go their way or somebody didn't church treat them right for a moment. 
But I want to just challenge you to think about those moments as an opportunity for you to learn and grow, an opportunity for God to move redemptively in that relationship and in your heart and the heart of that other person or the heart of that church or the heart of that pastor so that you can all learn to grow and to mature. When I think about my natural family, me and my wife and my kids. Through the years, my oldest is 21, and Tina and I have been married almost 26 years. There's been a lot of conflict, a lot of struggles, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of offenses, right? There's been all this good stuff too, but that bad is just part of doing life and living in a relationship with people, even people you love. But every one of those opportunities creates an opportunity for us to learn and grow, creates a redemptive moment where God uses that tension, that crisis to expose some issues in my heart. Now he has an opportunity to move into those places and to bring healing and maturity and transformation working on me from the inside out. Well, that same dynamic is true in church world. Church is our spiritual family. In fact, in fact, when Jesus was in the world, just think about this. One day he was teaching and somebody said to him, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers, they're outside. You know what Jesus said? He looked around at that crowd and said, anyone who does the will of my father is my brother and my sister. In other words, those who are following Christ are more important and have a higher place in my heart than my biological family. Now, the reason I say all of that is in your family, when things go difficult are difficult, you typically don't bail out, right? And the same thing should be true in the body of Christ. We stand and we work together. We learn and grow together. And actually that makes the body of Christ better. When I think about the last couple of years, it was so frustrating to be a pastor going through what we went through the last two or three years where everybody was fighting about politics and everybody was fighting about race and everybody was fighting about the coronavirus and all the details about the virus. And as a pastor, it felt like everybody wanted me to jump on their bandwagon and agree with their position about their issue and to convince everybody else that they were right. And if I didn't do that, then I was wrong and became the enemy. And the truth is, often they left the church when what God, I think, wants to do in those kinds of moments is bring us together and to help us ask the question, how do we all learn and grow and what is the body of Christ? What is our response to our world in these historical moments? How do we represent Jesus well in this environment? Instead, everybody just wanted me to pick sides and affirm their opinion, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Again, trying to use the church really for their own agenda, whether that's political or or otherwise. And I think what Peter is just challenging us to say here is in the body of Christ, man, we got to stand together. And when people come for a little while and leave, he just makes the argument that just means they were never really part of our family because family, man, we stand together. We work together. We learn and grow together. We don't just run away when things are difficult. We recognize that those difficult moments are the moments when we grow and learn 
the most. That has certainly been true for me in my life. In those difficult moments is when I learned and when I grew the most. Verse 24, he says, you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you'll remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in his, this fellowship, we enjoy eternal life, the eternal life he promised us. Verse 28, and now dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you'll be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. So the idea here is when he says remain in fellowship, that's the same idea as when Jesus taught us in John 15 to abide. In other words, stay connected to me. Learn to live in my presence. Cultivate this relationship. And when we do, it leads us into freedom, into healing, into maturity, into transformation from the inside out. So the key is staying in fellowship, staying in relationships, abiding, staying connected. And that's why we constantly are teaching you that our job, our mission as a church is to help you be with Jesus so that you can become like Jesus. And then we're able to do what Jesus does. So many times, and we've mentioned this before, let me say it again. So many times we're trying to manage our behavior, but we've not learned to be with Jesus. And so our heart has not been healed or changed. And then we get real frustrated because we don't seem to be able to do what Jesus did. Well, really the only way we can behave like Jesus is to become like Jesus. So watch what he says next in chapter three, verse one. He says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we're already God's children, but he's not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. And all who have an eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Here's what John is saying there. This is so good. He's saying we're God's children. We were born of God's seed when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. And so that means when we grow up and reach maturity, guess what? We're going to look like his son, Jesus, because we are born into the same family. See how powerful that metaphor is? So just like if you saw my three children, this is, you know, through the years, we'll run into people and say, oh, I can tell those are your kids. You know, they all look alike or they all look like you or they all look like Tina. Well, of course they do. They're my children, right? And in the very same way, John is saying we are growing up to look more and more like Jesus because we were born of his seed. The spirit of God lives in us. And as we learn to live in his presence, as we walk with him, as we live in fellowship with him, we're being transformed to look more and more like Jesus. And when we become more and more like Jesus, guess what? We do more and more of what Jesus did in our world. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this encouraging word. And now, Lord, we look forward to your return. God, I pray that you would give us a great expectation, a longing to see you again. And God, we thank you that you have not left us alone, 
that you've put us in a family, that we're surrounded by believers, not just a biological family, a spiritual family. And God, I pray that in the church, we would not be consumers, we'd be givers, that we would come not asking, what can you do for me, but asking, what can I do for the body of Christ? How can I serve my world? How can I serve my King, Jesus? Not to be takers, not to be consumers, not to be self-centered, but to be givers and uh, to be selfless and to use our lives to make a difference in our world. God, help us to live in fellowship with you. Lord, that's what we're trying to learn to do in this podcast, to begin our day in your presence and to live in your presence. So we're transformed. We want to grow up to look like our older brother, Jesus. So God, we just open our hearts today and invite you by your spirit to produce your life in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, have a good day. Thanks for being with me today. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.